pastor as he read from Micah, the fifth chapter, one through five. I want to Man. Micah 5, 1 through 5. The subject of our message this morning is Messiah then, Savior now. Messiah then, Savior now. They needed a Messiah then in the days of Micah when he prophesied and we need a savior now. Mm-hmm. We need a savior now because the world is torn, battered, bruised, and misplaced and displaced in a lot of ways. Messiah is defined as the promised and expected deliverer of the Jewish people. Savior is divine, defined as a person who saves, rescues, or delivers the Savior of the country. And in our time, he's better known to us in the house of God as Savior of the world. Now, the scripture reads, Now gather yourselves in troops. O daughter of troops, he has laid siege against us. They will strike the judge of Israel with the rod on the cheek. But here comes the Messiah. But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be the ruler in Israel. The one ruler in Israel. Who's going forth are from old, from everlasting. Therefore, he shall give them up until the end, until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord. In the the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And this one shall be peace. Before I forget, let us pray. Father, we thank you for this hour, Lord God, of the word coming forth to us. A sure word that has been sent and a word that will help us in these days and time to understand the reason for the season. The reason for a Messiah then and the reason for 
a Savior now. And Father God, we honor you, thank you, and praise you. For it's all in the mighty matchless name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. This morning in the scriptures we have read, we find in that those days of the prophet Micah prophesying, there was much chaos taking place, and it was time for a change. Now we find ourselves in need of a change as well in the 21st century. They needed a Messiah then, and we now need a Savior. We're living in the world today that chaos has, be, has come full circle in more ways than one. Men are in love with men, and women are in love with women. And it's well below a godly love. It has become an erotic love to all levels. People in high places are calling the shots just to please the flesh. And numerous other things are taking place that are unrighteous in the sight of God. I could go on. But I'll stop there for the sake of time. Jerusalem's leaders were obsessed with wealth and position. But Micah prophesied that the mighty Jerusalem, with all its wealth and power, would be besieged and destroyed. Its king could not save it. In contrast, Bethlehem, a tiny town, would be deliverer, the Messiah, would be born as a baby, born in Bethlehem, Luke 2, 4 through 7. And eventually would reign as the eternal king, Revelations 19 through 22nd chapter. This ruler is Jesus, the Messiah. Micah accurately predicted Christ's birthplace hundreds of years before Jesus was born. The promised eternal king in David's lineage who would come to live as a man had been alive forever from old and from ancient times. Although eternal, Christ entered the human history as the man, Jesus of Nazareth. The origin of the Messiah's coming began before the beginning of time, and God handed the pen over to Micah to begin writing so that we could see the written word for ourselves so that we would not be in doubt about who said what. There's a lot of talk going on in town about who said what. He, she, he said, she said. But it's time for us now to focus on the written word and hide it in our hearts. If we don't hide it in our hearts today, 
what little we have, the enemy will come and steal it right out from under us. Amen. Again, I say, what little we have will be robbed right from under us if we don't hide the word in our heart. We need the word, and we need to hear word from the Lord when we come to the house of God. Because when we come to the house of God and we miss it, it may be the very thing we need when we step out the door. We may need it sooner than later. And God is holding us accountable for the things that we hear and obey. If we don't obey, then we have to suffer the consequences. So we must receive wise counsel while it is available. We don't know what lies ahead, but we do know that we are on pace with what God is about to do. He's done enough already, and he wants to do more. All we have to do is pay attention to what he has to say. And what he has to say is going to be the very thing that we need to hear to save our lives when the time comes. Now, this is not just me talking. God is saying, we will first be judged at the house of God. And we be held accountable for what we do and say because somebody will need what we have received for the saving of their soul. And this morning I encourage those that may be sitting here that may not know the Lord as their personal Savior to receive him now as the Savior. Now, the Messiah was back then. Now, it's time for us to receive a Savior. Amen? This ruler is Jesus, the Messiah. Michael predicted the child, the birth, the Christ child birth hundreds of years before, as I forestated. The origin of this message comes from the very throne of God. The difficult journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem was approximately 68 miles, riding upon a meek and lowly beast, perhaps a donkey, was hard on Mary, Joseph, and Jesus even before he was born. He was going through even before he was born, just riding on a meek and lowly donkey. 68 miles. And 
along those 68 miles, they didn't ride upon no paved roads. It all was rough along the way. So we see that Jesus actually didn't have it easy his whole life. But yet God used him to be the only one that would save a world in chaos. At this time in history, little did the parents of baby Jesus knew what lied ahead, especially what their son was about to go through in his life and ministry. How profound it is for the child who would become a man in his time to later find out after a few years of ministry to die for the entire world. He was chosen. And we are, as the people of God, we are chosen also. We're chosen to do a work and complete the work and finish it while we yet live. See, Jesus is gone, but yet we are here, and we are here for a reason. One baby out of the whole entire world was chosen. It could have been you, or it could have been me. Not one man in his lifetime could even fathom giving up so much and sacrificing his life for a friend. John 15 and 13, it says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Moving forward, 1 John 3 and 16. Hereby we perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now most may be saying that why should I lay down my life for my brethren? That's the question on the table. Why should I lay down my life for my Brethren, that's we that are in the house of God. Why should I lay down my life for Jesse Matthews? Why should I lay down my life for Deacon McKay? Why should I lay down my life for my pastoral brethren? The only way I can lay down my life is because of love. Amen. That's what God said. Micah, the fifth chapter, gives one of the clearest Old Testament prophecies of Christ's coming. Jesus' mission was to raise up many good leaders in difficult times. Now we live in difficult times, and it's becoming more and more each and every day perilous times. So God is raising up leaders today, and I'm glad to say I'm a part of those that sit 
here in this pulpit that say that. As a soldier told me one time, he said, Sergeant Joe, if I go to war with anybody, any leader, he said, I will go with you. And I said, wow, that's profound. So in other words, whether he mean it or not or whether he was serious or not, I believe that he was, even people in the world will give the shirt off their back to anyone that's hurting. What about us? Will we lay down our life for a friend, for a brethren? Now, it does not mean always that you lay down your life for him or her by way of death. But what if you've seen each other? What if we've seen one another, one somebody on the highway that we know, and we passed them by? And then even help them to see what the need may be. Amen? It's just like that. Jesus' mission, as I said, was to raise up many good leaders in difficult times, and the leaders would make new disciples. The key descriptive phrase is, and he will be their peace. In one of Jesus' final discourses, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let it be afraid. John 14 and 27. The coming Messiah, the Savior now, was that peacemaker. The Old Testament text foretold the coming of Messiah, the Messiah. Israel's expectation of the coming Messiah would soon be challenged. The anticipation of the Savior's coming will enrich our celebration of Christmas this year. So let us take a moment out of our time to consider the meaning of the messianic hope. For the Israelite of old before, consider its meaning for us. Let me say that again. Let us consider the meaning of the messianic, messianic hope for the Israelites of old before we consider its meaning for us. After the fall of Adam and Eve, then there was a need for a Messiah immediately. Had they known this, then they would not have sinned in the Garden of Eden. God gave them a warning of instruction, and God always sends a warning before destruction. Most people don't believe in the Messiah and the Savior because of a lack of knowledge. That's why we're here today, to receive the knowledge so that we can spread the good news. If the word of God says that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior, then that is what it is. The purpose of this message is to focus on the progressive revelation of Israel's Messiah in the Old Testament and the growing expectation, which climaxed at the time of Christ's coming. 
At some point in his, Israel's history, the anticipation of Messiah coming was great, while at other times the sense of expectancy faded. In many instances, Israel's hope seemed to be crushed because of the anticipated moments of the Messiah's coming. It is only as we can appreciate the rising and falling hopes of God's people that we can more fully understand the greatness of the event of Christ's birth. Their hopes were failing because to them it seemed like eternity in order for them to see the coming Messiah in the flesh. These are the times when the world was in utter chaos. And now in the 21st century, we are faced with the same dilemma. And some of God's people are going back into the world. Now listen at this. People have been saved. 5, 10, 15, 20, even 30 some years. And I tuck in the tails and running back the other way. Now, not to shed any light on myself, but this year coming, Lord willing, I'll be saved 34 years. And it wasn't all easy. But the fact of the matter is, not only for me, but some of us also, we're still yet holding on. Now, it does not matter if you're saved a day, a month, three months, six months, long as you're in God's presence and God is in your life. You don't have to be saved 10, 20, 30, 40 years to think you're strong. Sometimes we get weak. But you can be strong right where you are with your one month, your one week, one month, five days, 30 days. It does not matter. God loves us all. We are in utter, utter chaos. God never changes. He's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. The Messiah that they had in mind was a man with high, that the man that they was looking for with high society clout, prideful strut, and dressed in the finest linen, loaded down with gold chains. There are several observations we can make from our examination of the Messianic prophecies of the Old Testament. First, we should note the persistent failure of men to meet the standards set for the Messiah. No earthly earthly king, including David and Solomon, came close to even being the kind of Messiah king described in the Messianic Psalms. Even David humbled himself. And said in Psalm 45, 6 through 7, That throne of God is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. 
Thou lovest righteousness, thou hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Man might have thought for a moment to have some claim to be Israel's Messiah, failed miserably with time and scrutiny. Psalms 102, 25 through 27. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Secondly, we should note the drama, the rise and the fall of messianic hopes based upon circumstances changing. From a human point of view, it is often looked as is Israel's messianic hopes were simply hopeless. Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. So hold on. Help is on the way. Third, we should note that the faithfulness of God, which resulted in further revelation regarding Messiah, so that new hope was given when man's faith began to fade. Fourth, we should observe the revelation of the Messiah's character and coming were progressively revealed. As is the case with other doctrines of Scripture, finally we can observe that the revelation of the Messiah's coming included his first coming to die for man's sin and his second coming to reign over all creation. The Messianic prophecies of the Old Testament were the basis for the believer's faith and thus the substance of the gospel of the Old Testament. As one reads the 11th chapter of, of the book of Hebrews, it is apparent that prophecy is the basis of faith of those saints of old. Messianic prophecies is a core of all prophecy. John 8 and 5, 8, 5, 8 and 56 says, Thus our Lord could say, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And oh, what a day it will be when we see him. We will be glad as well. Therefore, beloved, since you look for the things, be diligent to be found in him in peace, spotless and blameless. Second Peter three eleven through fourteen. Then on to Second Kings first, Second Peter first chapter nineteen verse. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well, that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. 
Now, as I get ready to close, this is what the prophecy of Isaiah describes. How he describes the Messiah in five names. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. Wonderful counselor. He is exceptionally distinguished, which means there is no match. The one who gives wise counsel through his word. The mighty God. He is God himself and God alone, the great I am. Everlasting father. He's unchanging. He's the God of our father and the God that has no end. He is the same God today, yesterday, and forevermore. Then finally, the Prince of Peace. His government is the one of of justice and peace. Now listen at this. No God, no peace. No God, no peace. No God, N-O. If you have no God, you have no peace. But if you know God, you know peace. I close my argument with this. The major role of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was to reach as many souls before he was ultimately persecuted and killed. His mission was pinned down in the Gospels and studied for centuries as the written true word of God. The way was paved for Jesus' followers so that we may associate with his shameful death. With the positive outlook, in spite of the contradictory scenes that took place. His death was not a total loss, but rather God's redeeming power to usher in a new covenant and forgiveness of sin. His resurrection was proof that our Savior lives. Amen. May your hearts be full and joyful this Christmas season. This time of the year for me, it's a little sentimental. And it may be sentimental for us all as well. I remember mama, cakes and pies. were so delicious. They were unduplicatable. If I said that right. Nobody can duplicate what mama had prepared. 